Gospels. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're also going to be turning to Philippians 4. Matthew 5 and Philippians 4. middle row just gone. <laughs> I'm thankful, though, that we have the kids and teens being brought up in this church. Amen. And that we have the abilities to be able to minister to them as well. Feed them when they're young. Hopefully when they're old, they will not depart from it. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it simply says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Flipping over as well to Philippians 4, chapter, 11, or, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. It says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know, no, I know both know how to be abased and I know how to bound. Everywhere and in all things, I instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. This morning, I want to talk to us for a few moments of the concept of the balance between hungry and content. The balance between hungry and content. Brother Brian, would you pray over this service here this morning? for your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Man, I'll let you see it as long as you preach with me this morning. Amen. <laughs> it helps this job do a lot easier when you're with me. Amen. Amen. So this week I've been listening to, uh, we're, I'm in a group chat with a couple of, uh, with Brother JR, Brother Mike, some other people, and we kind of some trade back podcasts we're listening to about that, uh, that have uh, messages or some kind of interviews with pastors just to, to glean some, some uh, iron sharpening iron, right, to glean some knowledge. And uh, I was listening to one of these podcast episodes this week. And uh, one of them they had on a guest speaker was Brother uh, Donald Tipton. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, but Brother Donald Tipton was on there. And uh, he said this one line. It wasn't even the message of the whole sermon. It was really just kind of like a throwaway line at the end. You know, say, you know, be blessed. And, and the line that he said was, these days I'm trying to live my life in the balance between hunger and content. And I was just like, well, what, 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 say that again? I never really heard that term before. And at first I was kind of confused because you know, my, my youngest is going through English right now and in her English, she's learning about antonyms. And if I think about hungry and I think about content, those are kind of antonyms in my mind. I was like, this is how, how can I be the balance between them? Because hunger is defined as a strong desire or a craving. If you're hungry for something, you're hungry. You're, you, you really want to have a desire for something. While content on the other side is willing to accept a particular thing or being satisfied. So how can I be hungry and I can be satisfied? I heard many sermons in my life preached that we need to be both. And I agree. We need to be hungry for God. We also heard not that I could be, we need to be content in the Lord. And I think it's important that we need to find the balance between the two. 
the balance between the two. And that's why I, I heard this line. I'm like, God, there's something more here. I started, started digging in the words, started thinking about what this actually meant. And what I found was one of the big problems that we find that comes with being hungry for so long for being physically hungry. Sometimes, which I'm sure many of you have heard this before, we become hangry. Anybody ever heard of hangry before? Amen. I'm sure some of you in this place may already be skipped breakfast and aren't hangry this morning, right? It's quite, the odds are in that favor. So what so all of you that don't know what hangry means, sometimes as human beings, especially those of us that may not practice self-denial and practice uh, some fasting, we let our flesh take over a little too much, we tend to act angry as it's been a while since we've eaten. We get kind of an attitude that goes on. And uh, we're a different person before we've had a meal versus after we've had the meal. Just Jekyll and Hyde, feed him a sandwich. It's a completely different person. Amen. But sometimes in the spiritual realm, when we can be hungry for a specific thing, or we can be hungry for a specific promise that God has given us, we can become frustrated or hangry, if you will, if it doesn't happen. Or should I say, it doesn't happen in the timetable that we want it to be. In the timetable that we want it to be. Uh, There's a specific song, though, that even though, you know, we may not think that uh, it's done when you want it, He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Whoa, whoa. he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Because he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Ain't that the truth this morning? He's an on-time God this morning. We may look at it with our own eyes and we may think, God, this is what I, this is what I, you've promised me this thing. You've, you've called me into this thing. You've, I, I want more of you. And we become frustrated in our spirit that's not happening when we want it. We say, God, I've been praying about this situation for so long. I'm, I'm so hungry for this and I can't stand being where I am right now. I tell you sometimes, church, that sometimes God parks us where we are because he wants us to teach us something. He parks us there sometimes and say, you know what, yes, I gave you a promise. I promise, and the good thing about promises, especially God's promises, they have great shelf lives. <laughs> they have great shelf lives, right? They can go on long before us, and even when we're gone, his promises still hold true. Just like all the promises that are in this word that gone through the years, his promises hold still. We can take that to the bank to say, say, God, I know if I'm not see to live to see the promise, it'll carry on behind me, Amen. So even though it may not seem to us that we, we don't see it happening, he parks us right where it is. I heard one time as well said that there are, there are aspects of salvation that can only be realized when we're stationary. Mm. I'll say it one more time. There are aspects of salvation. God wants to bring us to a new thing. He wants us to bring us into something else. But we can't do that if we're moving forward, if we're always trying to reach and always trying to grab with these human hands. Sometimes God wants to slow you down and say, I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry this morning, but I need you to wait on me. I need you to trust in me. Let me lead you and guide you into this promise. Amen. It's sometimes in this holding pattern that we, you know, they, they say that like a plane trying to land, they'll try to go in and say, nope, none of the runways are clear, just be a circle around. They're in a holding pattern. Sometimes in our life, we feel like that. We feel like we're in a spiritual holding pattern saying, God, I'm right here, and I know you've called something, but I'm just kind of circling, 
kind of circling, saying, God, where is it that you want me to go? I'm so hungry. We just have to be careful of that hunger that we have balance and that we're not frustrated with God. Because sometimes that holding pattern, right? Sometimes that holding pattern that we're in, it's not in the green pastures. <laughs> sometimes where we're in that holding pattern, it's not in beside the still waters. Because it's nice to be in a holding pattern then, clear skies, everything, you know, beautiful. I'll just, I'll just wait right here. No, no. Sometimes we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> Sometimes it feels we're in our dark day. It's not all sunny, but we're in that holding pattern, and we don't, be, we don't feel comfortable in that holding pattern. But just as we sing here, and as it says in the word, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right, that I, wa- they, uh, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou wilt comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So if you feel this morning you're in that holding pattern, if you feel there's something called to you this morning, you're feeling called into something and it's not happening right now, I'm here to tell you this morning it's okay. I'm here to tell you this morning it's okay, but just to keep hungry, but to keep focused on his will because that is the most important thing. If we try to do it with our human hands, if we try to work with it with our own hands, it's not going to work. It's not. We have to be aligned with his will this morning. Amen? Amen. We cannot let the hunger of the promise overshadow being content in the process. We cannot let the hunger for what God wants for us overshadow being, I'm okay where you have me at. I may not be comfortable, but I'm content. One of the best examples when I was, was thinking about this, this is not just, you know, me spouting this. This isn't God's word, amen. We got to stay in the word. One of the best examples I found of this was in the book of Exodus. Moses, before he ever goes down to Egypt and, and talk to Pharaoh, God says this to Moses in Exodus 3, 16 and 17. He says, go and gather the children, uh, gather the, il- the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob appeared unto me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, here's the promise that he's telling. This is the promise I want you to tell. I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and any other ites that might be living in the land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. God tells Moses here to go gather all the, uh, the children of Israel. Before I had the, before I'd show you and deliver you, I'm going to tell you this is what the promise is. This is what the end goal is. I'm going to deliver you out of your current situation, and I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Go tell all the children of Israel. And so, I mean, I can't believe they would be excited to hear this promise. Amen. And the, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it right now. And as you, as you know, God delivers them out of the hands of Pharaoh. He brings the plagues upon them. It parts the Red Sea, crushes the, the uh, Egyptians behind them, and then they start their trail in the wilderness. I think it's important to note right here that God didn't just transport the children of Israel into Canaan land. He didn't just take them and say, you know what, I'm going to pave this road. I'm gonna be, it's going to be sunny. We're just going to go zoom, straight to there, roll out the red carpet. You're going to walk in like you own the place. He didn't do that. He could have. Because you know what? He's God. So he could have absolutely have done this. And I'm going to fulfill my promise right now. But he didn't do that. Instead, he let them wander in the wilderness. And he, in great detail, I might add, instructs Moses on how to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. 
And he instructed them exactly how I want to be because he wanted to dwell with his people. Can you imagine thinking of the children of Israel being like, we're not in Canaan yet. Why are we constructing this, this temple to God in this wilderness, this dry area, this dry land? You want to dwell with us here? Why? When you've given me this promise, why do you want me to wait here? Why do you want me to wait here, right? God wanted to abide with them and provide a way of salvation before they made it to the land of Canaan. He wanted to provide a way of salvation for them in the wilderness, to abide with them in the wilderness, to let them know, I will fulfill my promise. Believe that. I will fulfill it. But until we get there, I want you to put your faith in me. I want you to trust on me for your daily meal. I want you to put your trust in me for your manna and for your water. I want you to become completely dependent on me so that when you get there, you don't think that you just did it all by yourself. That you said, Lord, I am, I, am, I am waiting on you and I am committing to you. God wanted to provide a way of salvation. Many of them were hungry for the promise of Canaan land, but they were not content in the process of actually getting there. This discontent got so bad, actually, they turned to idol worship. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai, and the people thought he was dead. Exodus 3, 32, 1 says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves unto Aaron and said unto him, You, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. When they didn't see the promise being fulfilled, when they thought, well, you know, he was leading us to the promised land, and now he's dead, so now what do we do? They didn't turn to God. They said, let's make our own gods and worship them that they will go before us and they will take us to the promised land. If that died out, I'm going to do it my way because obviously he's dead. He's, God can't fulfill it now. I mean, Moses is dead. So let's do it with our own hands. Let us make it our own God. The children of Israel thought God was not fulfilling the way, the promise, the way they thought he should. Church, if we see, receive a promise from God, we cannot try to fulfill it unless it's in his will with our own human hands, with our own understanding. Oftentimes, God will give us a promise, and our minds can't understand how we're going to get there. That's the purpose. Because if we knew, oh, God, you, that's what you're going to do, well, I can just go do that thing. I, I just walked right into it. Look at that. You promised it me, and now I'm here. No. God says, I'm going to promise you something, but you not be able to see what that promise is. But trust in me. Stay hungry for that promise. Stay hungry for what I've asked you to do. Don't, don't let the promise die, but be content in getting to the promise. Get, be content in getting to where I'm leading you and I'm guiding you. Because you know what? We're not omniscient. God is. God knows the present, the past, and the future. He knows where you're going. He knows where you've been. He knows the hairs that are on your head. Some of us fewer than rather than others. He knows all of these things. And if we try to do it with our own hands, it doesn't work. <laughs> because we don't know what's coming ahead. But God does. Isaiah 55, we got to do it his way because Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways 
my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Meaning you may have some idea of how you're going to get there, but use my way. But use my thoughts. Because my thoughts have a long plan for you if you walk after me. If you walk after what you want me to do. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It's because of the evilness of the children of Israel turning to idolatry. God's plan for abiding with them and being with them was almost scrapped. God almost scrapped it. In Exodus 33.1, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, unto thy seed I will give it. He's saying it right there. I will give you the promise. I will send an angel before thee. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite into a land flowing of milk and honey. I will honor my word because I'm God. And if I say something, that's what I'm going to say. I will honor it. Verse 3 right here. For I will not go in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God was fed up. (laughs) He agreed to honor his promise, but said, I will not go with you. You can go. I'll go into the land, but I will not be with you in this way. All I can say, church, they are blessed to have Moses. (laughs) They're blessed to have Moses. Because listen to what Moses says in Exodus 33, 12 through 15. Moses says unto the Lord, see thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. And thou hast let me know whence thou wilt send with me. Hast thou yet said, I know thee by name? You said, God, you know me by name. Thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, in thy sight right here, show me now the way that I might know thee and I find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And God said, my presence shall surely go with thee and I will give thee rest. And Moses said back to him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses said, if you're not taking me, God, I don't want to go. He said, if you're not going to go before me, I don't want to be. If you're saying a land of milk and honey, but you're not there, leave me in the wilderness. Leave me right here because I know at least I'm safe in the wilderness when I have your presence with me rather than taking me into another land and being devoid of you, but being comfortable. He said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I don't want to move forward if you're not with me. Church, that's what our mindset has to be. God, I know you've given me promises, and I know you want to lead me to them. And I, But if you don't lead me there yet, I'm okay being in the process. I'm okay working me like a refiner's fire and turning up that heat and scooping off the infirmities at the top if that's what it takes to get me to the promise. Because God, you may have to work something out of me, something that I have will not operate in your promise. Something that I may be a, an infirmity to me or, or something that an attitude, whatever it may be, God, there's something there you want to take out. And if you want to do it, Lord, work on me. Work on me until I'm ready to obtain that which you promised. 
we have to find talking this morning about the balance between hunger and content. We can't be so hungry that we lose sight of the process. As it relates on the other side of this seesaw of hunger and content, the other side of it, in many in, in, uh, being content, there's many, many scriptures that we are called to be content. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul, several times in, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content. What is he content with? I'm content with weakness, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions, with calamities. For when I am weak... <laughs> For when I am weak in this part, God, you are strong. And maybe I'm weak in this part right now because you want to show out. Maybe you want to show something to me when I'm in my weakest spot, God, and I don't know what's going to happen. You can show out and be God. And I can say, look at God. Look at what God has done in this situation when I didn't know what was going to happen. When I am weak, then is God strong. Philippians, as we mentioned there before, 4.11, our, our opening scripture, not that I speak with respect to one I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The danger here. So being content, we are called to be content. We're called to be okay in the situations of where we are, knowing that God has us. The danger of not having that balance on the contentment side, especially for us as 21st Christians living here in America, is that it's very easy to let our contentness turn into comfortableness and complacency. God called us to be content. He didn't always call us to be comfortable. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. He said we will be comforted. There's many scriptures. If, I mean, why would we need a comforter if we didn't need to be comforted? <laughs> so in, in our times, of com we need to be comforted, but that's not the same as being comfortable. Amen? When we become Com uh, comfortable and complacent, it can drown out the hunger for something new from God. It can drown out that need that says, God, I need more of you. God, I want to know you more. I want to know your word more. I want to pray more. I want to worship more. I want to fast more because I need more of you. When we become complacent, that all goes away. When we come complacent, we are happy to stay right where we are and do the things that we've always done because that's how we got here, and it feels nice being in my comfortable box. <laughs> we can easily take for granted the access that we have to prayer, to a Bible. When, they, when, um, when my, uh, my eldest is reading literature, they have so many books. They're talking about missionaries that go into other countries. In these other countries, this it at best can be a luxury. At worst can get you arrested and or killed. They guard this Bible and that's like their treasure to them because if they, a missionary may have come and gave them one and they don't know when that missionary is going to be back. So they have to guard that word. They have to hold that word. Here we become so we can come so uh, uh, complacent or easy access to the word that we think about God. You know, it's, it's always there. I can read it. I can pull it on my phone. I have it in my iPad. It's in the cloud. You know, it's everywhere. Right? 
But are we getting into that word? Just because we have access to it doesn't mean we're reading in it. And we lost that hunger. We don't prioritize time with God because we take for granted the fact that he's God and he's everywhere. So I could be at the store and I can pray or I can be at the home. And he can. That's good. But are we? But are we? Are we too complacent? We can treat God like a magic genie or a a board game reference for those that know you. A a get-out-of-free-jail card from Monopoly. (laughs) Hey, God, God, I got a problem. I need you to take care of this. And God does, and God can. But he doesn't just want to hear from us when we need something. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to have a marriage with us. So we talk to him. My wife would be so fed up with me if the only time I talked to her is if I needed something. It wouldn't last a week. <laughs> he wants to hear from us. I think this, this, this idea of being content and, and turning into, easily turning into comfortableness. I think that's why in some of the poorer countries, <clears throat> the gospel of Jesus Christ can seem better received sometimes. It can seem better received because in the situation that they're in, they may be spiritually hungry, yes, but a lot of times they're physically hungry. They have so much less than what we have here. So someone comes along and says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) Let me tell you about God and what he's done for me. They're more willing to say, you know what? I'll try God because I don't have anything else. <laughs> Let me pray to God. Let me pray to Jesus. God draws their heart because they don't have anything that's there. And God can do that to anyone. Not, don't misunderstand me. But they're not comfortable in where they are. So they're looking for hope. They're looking for something that can lead them and guide them. While here, and we actually we even heard about it uh, Wednesday night with the missionaries that were here uh, talking about Luxembourg. When they said it's, it's the people there, there's so many banks, they're so affluent, they have so much money. They, in their mind, they're content with the life that they have. They're comfortable with the life that they have. So their attitude may be, why do I need God? He said so many of them are agnostic or even atheists because they're like, I don't need, look at what all we've done. Well, why do I need God for? Church, that's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> It's a dangerous place to be for the unsaved, but especially for those that are in the church that said, my life is going so good. Everything is so well. Why do, I'm just going to be right here and, and just wait in the Lord and turn into comfortableness. No, we can be content in that situation. We'll be content and say, God, I'm comfortable right now and I'm okay. But if my situation changes, and it will, <laughs> if it's not right now, it will. If my situation changes, I'm still going to be content there, and I'm going to be hungry for more of you. I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to be comfortable in where I am if you're calling me into something else. Amen? This was such the case with the rich, uh, rich young ruler that Jesus was talking to. The rich young ruler said, uh, what must I do that I must inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. Young man replies, well, all of these I've done from my youth. I've, I've done all this. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 16 through 22, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. He was given the invitation, come, follow me. Sell all that you have, come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, though, says he went away sorrowful, for he had great 
possessions. He had great possessions. From a physical part, from an outside look, looking in, you're a rich young ruler. Uh, if he had great possessions, I don't know how much trouble he might have had. <laughs> His life probably would have been pretty comfortable. But imagine what would have happened if that rich young ruler made a different choice. Imagine if that rich young ruler said, yes, I have these possessions, but I'm putting my faith in you. If you want me to sell all that I have and follow after you, I will. Just think of how his life might have changed. Just think about how our lives, if, if we, sometimes we shed that comfortableness off, how our lives can change, how God can lead us and guide us into those things. Amen. Think of the life-changing things this guy could have experienced. He had a front row seat to Jesus. He could have walked with him. He could have seen the miracles that he had. But instead, he turned away sorrowful. It's easy to be content and be comfortable when we lack nothing. When we lack nothing. Just like this young man said, when we lack nothing. But the real question is, God, if you're bringing me into something else, despite my situation, I'm going to be content in my mind, and I'm going to be content in my spirit with you because this is where you want me to go. And even though my situation changed from have much to have none, because <laughs> it can happen like that, especially in this economy, I am content. Can we say, just as Paul said, that I am content with the insults? It may hurt, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the hardships or any persecutions that may come along because I'm okay with it. Can we be content in the situation, but not to the point of complacency? Amen. Talk about hunger and contentness this morning. There's one final person looking through the word and thinking about this concept. There's one final person that we see in scriptures that is very aware of this, this struggle or this balance between hunger and content. And that person is King David. <laughs> King David said in Psalm 63, this is one of the Psalms of David. He's in the, in the wilderness of Judah. Psalm 63 says, turn page. And most, commentators, well, most commentators believe that this is when, when David's in the wilderness. This may have been when he's being hunted by King Saul, or it may have been during his exile, during the rebellion of, of Absalom. But one of the times he's in the wilderness. Psalm 63.1 says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Why will I early seek thee? For my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. <laughs> my soul thirsteth for thee. Charles Spurgeon, in talking about one of the commentaries about this psalm, said something really great. He said, learn from this. And do not say, I will get into communion when God, when I feel better. <laughs> Amen. I will not get, don't think you're going to get into communion in God when I feel better. But long for communion now. Long for communion now while you're in the desert place. It's one of the temptations of the devil to try and tell you not to pray when you don't feel like praying. When that happens, Pray twice as much. <laughs> Pray twice as much because it's in that easy when you're in that dry land and say, you know what? I don't feel like going on. I'm just going to go ahead and take a nap. I'm just going to end it right here. But no, we have that hunger and that thirst that says, my flesh longeth for thee. 
I hunger for you, oh God, when we're to die in desert place. In Psalms 42, he says, as the heart, the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, oh God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. <laughs> When shall I come and appear before God? David knew what it meant to be hungry for God. God knew what he meant in these psalms to say, I'm being persecuted right now. I got a lot of things going on. I need you. I need a, a touch of you. I need salvation from you. Along with his hunger, and we sang it here this morning, he knew what it meant to be in the arms of God and what it meant to be content. Psalms 23. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake not for mine not for mine not not the green pastures and the still waters so that i can be comfortable no he leads beside the waters for his namesake and if i'm not there yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death somewhere we don't want to be <laughs> i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest, I love this verse, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that we're all in the same room. We're all in this together. But you prepare a table for me to sit down and enjoy while my enemies are right there and I don't even have to worry about it because he is in control. I can be content in the presence of my enemies because I know God is going to take care of me. I know he's got my six. He's got my back, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew what it meant to be content. He knew what it meant to say in the situation, in the green pastures, in the still waters, in the valley of the shadow of death, I will be content. And I am not just complacent to be right here, God. I need more of you. Can we stand this morning? If our musicians could come and as our praise singers would come this morning, talking this morning about being the balance between hunger and content. A hunger for more of God and a call. But the content to be, Lord, I'm here for what you have for me. See, when God called people in the Bible, if you think about anyone that was called to do something, anyone that had a hunger for more of God, and that was receptive and say, yes, God, I'll go. They weren't comfortable. <laughs> They weren't comfortable. They were, they were going and saying, you know, if you think Abraham, Abraham had to do some tough things. Noah, God said, God, God said, Noah, I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. The whole earth's going to be flooded. Noah never seen rain before. You want me to build this giant boat over several years? Sure, that couldn't be comfortable. 
But he was content in working on the boat. He was content in keeping on until, you know, because he was holding on to that promise from God. He said, you know what? I'm going to put my faith into action. I'm going to do what God said. Because if God said he's going to flood the earth, he's going to flood the earth. And I want to be on the boat. We're talking about hungry and content. I want to live my life in the balance between hungry and content. I want to be so hungry for God, but I want to be content in his ways. No matter the circumstances, no matter the naysayers, no matter what comes my way, I will be hungry for God. I will stay on fire for God. I will have that zeal. We'll have more revelations. And you know, if anything that's, that's happening, especially at Asbury, things that there's a hunger for God there. There's a hunger for God. I pray that continues and that more hearts are drawn to him, that more hearts are drawn to that thing. They say, God, I want more of you. And I pray that that would be the, the prayer of this congregation this morning. I don't know where you may be in your life. I don't know what situations all of us may be through. You don't know the situations that I'm at in my life. But I know a God who does. And I know that if he brought you through it, <laughs> if he brought you to it, he will bring you through it. If you stay hungry for him, if we stay hungry for them, I pray that that's the prayer of this church here today. This morning, I'm just going to ask and we're going to open these altars. But I pray that we would all come forward there because this is not a one person, a two person. This is for the church here today. This is for the church that says, God, I want to stay on fire for you. I want to stay fire on you, God, but I want to bring me through this process, Lord. God may have called you this morning into something. Maybe he hasn't realized it yet. Hold on. Hold on because God is in it. Hold on because if God gave you that promise, He's going to answer it. I invite you to come this morning. I invite you to come. God's given you a promise this morning. Let him renew that fire inside of you. If you've also become so content in the Lord that all of us here become content and says, God, I want you to bring me into more. I'm glad with what I have. I'm glad with what you've given me. But God, I want more of you. That should be the prayer of each and every one of us here today. I want more of you, Lord Jesus. I want more of you, Lord God. I want you to set a fire in my soul, Lord God. I want you to set a fire in me, God, to burn these infirmities out of me, God. To burn this sin, this situation that I'm in out of me, God. And have your way in your life today. Would you come this morning as a praise singer sing? Hallelujah, Lord God.